Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. In the first six months of 2021, 344 people overdosed on drugs and died. Fentanyl was a factor in most of them, but there are also deeper causes to the spike in drug-related deaths in the Bay Area. We'll talk with the people who are trying to save lives on the ground and discuss what's known about what actually helps people desperately in need. Then we look back at the legacy of Janice Mericatani, the powerful former San Francisco Poet Laureate and co-founder of San Francisco's Glide Center for Social Justice, who passed away on Friday. That's all next on Forum, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Drug overdoses killed more than 90,000 people in the United States last year. Things are particularly, especially tragically bad here in San Francisco, where our drug overdose rate is many times that of even bigger cities like New York and Los Angeles. Last year, more than two times as many San Francisco residents died from overdose as from COVID. Most of these overdoses involved fentanyl, a synthetic opiate that's shockingly powerful even relative to other hardcore drugs. On Monday, San Francisco launched its Street Overdose Response Team, which provides resources and follow-up services for overdose survivors. The city also plans to allocate $13.2 million to additional overdose prevention efforts. We're in the midst of a crisis, and we need to talk about what the city is and should be doing to prevent these deaths and address their root causes. So joining me now is Dr. Hillary Cunnins. She's the Director of Behavioral Health Services and Mental Health SF with San Francisco Department of Public Health. Welcome to the show, Dr. Cunnins. Thanks so much, Alexis. Glad to be here. And we're also joined by Kristen Marshall, Project Manager overseeing Drug Overdose Prevention and Education, also known as the DOPE Project. Uh, with the Harm Reduction Coalition. Welcome to the show, Kristen. Good morning. So, Dr. Connors, can you tell us about the street overdose response team and the role you hope it plays in saving lives? 
yes, uh, happy to share with you some, the specifics of the street overdose response team, which is really one uh, part of both a longer standing overdose prevention effort on the part of the city and community partners such as DOPE. Um, and this is really the uh, latest to launch in, in our effort. The street overdose response teams will provide a street-based response focused on people who have experienced a non-fatal overdose. And why those folks? These are folks we know from the scientific literature, from our own clinical and other experiences are at heightened risk for a future overdose. Hmm. Why so didn't it, this exist before then? Well, I think this is a moment in time where we are looking as, as city and community partners for every possible new solution. And so SORT really represents a kind of innovative thinking that we are doing together with our colleagues in the San Francisco Fire Department to send people out immediately to respond to non-fatal overdose and then to provide follow-up and connection to care and treatment, as well as the tools to reduce their risk of future overdose. Yeah. Um, Kristen Marshall, you've been working in the streets, your organization has, um, saving people's lives who've, who've overdosed. Um, how do you think this new SORT team will or will not help um, in San Francisco? I think it's important for folks to remember that for the last 20 years, our street overdose response team has been people who use drugs and people experiencing homelessness. That up until very recently, we had very low overdose death numbers because people who use drugs had Narcan, they knew how to use it, and they were successfully reversing overdoses by the thousands every year. Um, and so every, so what I know helps is that we learn from the community that is the most impacted and we amplify those lessons learned. Um, and so any follow-up directly and, and support directly for our folks most impacted by overdose is a good thing and by itself is just building on the efforts of the community already and without more like deeper root cause support, um, you know, this crisis won't really come to a, it won't really end um, without that kind of root cause support. You know, it's, it's interesting. I do want to get into the root causes because when I look across the country at the statistics, I mean, it really is so much worse in San Francisco than, than almost any other place that you can look at. Is that because of those root causes or are we doing something wrong with the way that we are dealing with drugs in the city? Uh, that's for uh, for you, Dr. Cunnins. Uh, thanks for that important question. And um, this is really uh, right right now. I know that San Francisco rates are very high, but I also want to call attention to the fact, such as the work that Kristen described, the very important both street based work carried out by the Doe Project and other community partners. Uh, also, a very rich treatment system here in San Francisco. It is possible we would have seen even worse uh, rates or numbers of deaths in San Francisco without this firm foundation. And like other jurisdictions nationally, the introduction of fentanyl has really potentiated or caused a steep increase as we learn to adjust and try new things um, to address the specifics of fentanyl, 
but also I really agree with, with Kristen that the root causes um, of, of substance use and overdose like uh, inadequate housing, like racism, like uh, incar carceral or incarceration rather than treatment approaches are all some of the things that we also need to address in addition to the very specific approaches around naloxone distribution, around easy access to effective treatment like buprenorphine um, and like other innovative uh, approaches that the city is expecting to take. Yeah. Um Kristen, you know, I think the thing that I'm trying to wrap my head around on root causes, that we know that there are other places that have expensive and scarce housing. We know the, the country as a whole is racist. We, we know that there are all of these problems that root causes exist elsewhere, including the same drugs. Um, so why is San Francisco specifically, even relative to Alameda County, which has much lower overdose deaths or Contra Costa or, or other local counties? So so what do you make of San Francisco specifically being, um, you know, having so many more fentanyl um, deaths than, than other local places? I mean, no, no jurisdiction in this country has been able to escape um, what the impact of this kind of very, very strong and inconsistent drug supply has, mm -hmm. has kind of wreaked havoc on every city in the country. We're just experiencing it now, whereas most places really experienced it a few years ago. Um, and so we were able to hold it off. And to be honest with you, fentanyl wasn't part of our drug supply up until the last like few years. Um, mm. So this is new for us. Um, and it's based on things like global drug markets and which is impacted by US imperialism. Like we can't control those things. Um, what we can control is the support for our most vulnerable community members that if you meet the needs these are basic survival needs, food, housing, shelter, water, healthcare. If we meet those needs, then drug use and overdose rates go down in communities. That's the evidence-based work that we're trying to push. And the more we try to fight this issue with failed drug war tactics, like more police, more arrests, more busts, targeting drug sellers, um, you know, those are things that exacerbate uh, overdose, uh, displacement, gentrification, which San Francisco experiences rapidly, those things exacerbate overdose. I think it's important for folks to realize that the root cause of drug use is often trauma. And that the root cause of that is that everybody just wants to feel good. Um, it's just about what resources you have to stay safe while you also feel good and what resources you have to reach things that are safer to use to help you feel good. Yeah. Dr. Cunningham, you know, for a long time, San Francisco was known as a place that had done a good job reducing um, deaths from other uh, opiates like heroin, um, you know, 20 plus years ago uh, and, and deploying these um, tactics. You come from the East Coast where fentanyl kind of hit earlier. Are there things now that San Francisco needs to learn from other places um, and, and put into effect in, in our streets? Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, and I, I want to just reiterate some of the, 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 the strong words Kristen just said is that taking a community approach is part of what other jurisdictions have learned. And I think this is where San Francisco has tremendous strengths and we need to build upon that 
one of the other aspects of the street outreach teams I'll just mention that will be included as we continue to hire and ramp up the services, uh, including peer specialists in the team. These are folks with lived experience who we know uh, are effective connectors of people experiencing uh, homelessness who are people who use drugs. I'll also add another uh, a challenge and opportunity for us in San Francisco is unfortunately um, co both COVID and fentanyl arrived uh, almost uh, simultaneously here. And I think that that is uh, another reason for some of the stark increases we've seen in San Francisco, which has been certainly echoed nationally. I think many of the lessons learned from the East Coast and other jurisdictions such as more engagement teams, more street-based outreach, such as the work that the DOPE project has been undertaking, such as the work that the SORT team will undertake, um, such as uh, some of our other new initiatives trying to make treatment and resources uh, as accessible, as flexible, as timely as we possibly can to urgently meet the needs of people at risk of dying. Yeah. We're talking about the record number of people uh, who have overdosed and died in San Francisco with Dr. Hillary Cunnins. She's the director of Behavioral Health Services and Mental Health SF with San Francisco's Department of Public Health. We also have Kristen Marshall, uh, project manager overseeing the DOPE program and part of the Harm Reduction Coalition. We do want to hear from you. What actions would you like to see San Francisco take to combat this overdose epidemic? And do you have direct experience with this? Have, have you or someone you know experienced an overdose? And what resources of support do you wish that you had? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. We'll be back with more on the overdose crisis after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. Welcome back to Forum. We're talking about the record number of people who have overdosed and died in San Francisco with Dr. Hillary Cunnins, Director of Behavioral Health Services with the San Francisco Department of Public Health, and Kristen Marshall, Project Manager overseeing the DOPE Project, which helps save lives in the streets. 
And we do want to hear from you. What actions would you like to see San Francisco take to combat this epidemic? And have you or someone you know experienced an overdose? And what kind of resources or support do you wish that you'd had? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Dr. Cunnins, we do have one prospective solution that we know can reduce uh, overdose deaths uh, dramatically, which would be safe um, injection sites. Can you um, let people know sort of where we are in the process of establishing those in the city? Uh, sure. And let me let me just also, if I can, just briefly explain what, what these sites are. These sure. are um, uh, sites that are hygienic, clean, that that often provide other kinds of services, treatment, food, showers, um, but allow people to use their pre-obtained drugs in a space uh, under observation. And what we know about these is that they are effective in uh, preventing overdose deaths. Nobody has ever died in such a site. Uh, There are more, they are operating in more than a a hundred sites across the world. Um, And we know that they effectively connect people to ongoing treatment and other forms of care. We are very committed in the city to work to find a path to bring safer consumption sites to San Francisco. While there are legal issues, um, the city is very much uh, committed to seeing this come to fruition and and to use this as another tool to save lives. Yeah. Kristen Marshall, do you think safe consumption sites like the ones described would help in San Francisco? I think any service that is for people who use drugs to prevent overdose is a good thing. I also think that it's a Band-Aid. I think that if people utilize that service and still have to go back out into the streets and sleep intense or risk getting swept by other city agencies and moved along and further isolated. I think that without access to treatment on demand, I think that with this continual kind of police terror that gets inflicted on our poorest, most vulnerable communities, which are also communities of color, indigenous and immigrant communities, that it's just a Band-Aid, right? You need those real sustainable root cause solutions um, to really actually put a a dent in what's going on and to support people as whole people and not just their drug use or not just their poverty. Like these are full humans that need full humanity um, and support. Yeah. Thank you for that. Let's bring in Gabby from Sacramento. Welcome to the show, Gabby. Hi, um, I was just responding to your question of asking anyone if anyone has ever overdosed or experienced someone else overdosing. And mm-hmm. um, I'm a recovering heroin addict. Uh, I've been sober for a little over a year now. And um, I have, between me and my boyfriend, we've given probably a dozen people Narcan and been like the only thing that has saved their life pretty much if we hadn't been there. Mm-hmm. Um, no one else had Narcan. Uh, and they definitely would have overdosed. And there's been situations where they were turning blue, and um, we were literally the only ones who had Narcan. And so the thing that I would ask is to have um, more accessibility to Narcan. Mm-hmm. And um, was it hard for you to get, yeah. or what do you think um, keeps it, people it's from not, carrying? It, it wasn't. It, it wasn't hard if you knew where to get it. You could get it at the needle exchange, pretty much, or at uh, methadone clinics. And mm-hmm. um, but I mean, aside from everyone else who who I mean, considering 
how many people we were using with, every time we were the only ones who ever had it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, have you, did you notice a difference between Sacramento, where you are, and other places? Do people who are using drugs on a regular basis think of San Francisco as a, as a dangerous place for some reason, aside from, um, you know, other places? Not, not dangerous. Yeah, not dangerous. Definitely like a, a place to get drugs, though. Like they're in San Francisco almost every day mm-hmm. um, to go, you know, pick up what they wanted to pick up. Yeah. And Gabby, did you ever have to use Narcan yourself? No, I haven't, thankfully. Um, I, I've noticed that the the people who, who needed Narcan were pretty much the um, intravenous users, people who use needles. Um, I never did, so I think that that might have been what was the difference. Yeah. Thanks so much for your call, Gabby. Really appreciate you sharing that experience, and good luck with your recovery. Um, Kristen Marshall... You know, I've seen statistics from your organization, DOPE, that um, already this year, more than 4,000, you know of at least 4,000 times where Narcan has been used in San Francisco. Um, can you tell us a bit more about just how how that works, how you get Narcan into the hands of people, um, and if you think that can even be expanded further? Oh, yeah. Um, I want... Gabby, thank you, um, and thank you to all your friends and your boyfriend for all the work you're doing. Um And it is because of people like Gabby, people who use drugs and people who love people who use drugs that our overdose death numbers in San Francisco are not in the thousands like they could be. Um, And so Narcan, there's over a hundred hours of accessibility when it comes to low barrier Narcan access. That means you can just walk in and five minutes later you walk out with all the Narcan you need and you have to give very little in order to get it. Um, and that's at any syringe access program, frontline harm reduction program, our own CBHS pharmacy at 1380 Howard. Anybody can go in and get a Narcan kit, um, methadone clinics, their medical providers. Um, if you ask for it, it's here and you should never have to pay for it in San Francisco. Don't spend any number of your hard earned cents on it. Um, it is free here. Um, and for accessibility, you know, our focus really is reaching communities that have been really pushed to the margins um, and have made act, like accessing these kind of services really challenging for them um, for all sorts of reasons, usually for stigma. And so we work really closely with community leaders, um, family members, anybody who wants to give it out and wants to provide it to their communities, we make it happen for them. Um, for me, the goal is no barrier. So what you want it, you got it. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, you know, Daniel writes, and I think, you know, something that I hear people say, law enforcement must be a part of the effort, Daniel writes. People come to San Francisco because they know it is very easy to get drugs on the street, especially in the tenderloin. Unless you break up the supply chain by arresting suppliers and sellers, you will never stop the overdoses. Dr. Cunnins um, with San Francisco Department of Public Health um, what do you think? How would you respond to Daniel's uh, comment? Um, so thanks, thanks for that question, Daniel. Um, and I think, I think as Gabby re- relates and and how important her approach has been, which is it, urging people to take action. That that we know that people uh, can save each other's lives, can support people. Uh, moving towards recovery by making treatment 
available by making naloxone available. And our public health approach is to uh, use every means possible in a health-oriented uh, way, treatment, Narcan, harm reduction, uh, housing as medicine, uh, to, and this is what sometimes in the field gets called demand reduction. We want to work on the demand side by making help available. Um, and I think historically there's been such a great focus on what's called the supply side by interrupting the drug supply and hoping by that, by that strategy or that is the single strategy we can interrupt uh, the pathway to addiction. But I think what everyone has realized and as sometimes um, gets quoted, we can't arrest our way out of the problem. And that's why, that's why I work in public health as a physician. I've seen so many people get into recovery, get the care they need and go on to have reconnect with community, family and loved ones. Yeah. I wanna bring in Jonathan from Sunnyvale into the discussion. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Uh, hi, thank you. Um, so I'm a, a person in recovery. Um, I've been in and out of recovery for uh, about 10 years now. Um, I haven't used opioids in, in uh, all of that 10 years. Um, and the reason for that um, is that I've been on buprenorphine for that time. Um, you know, it's a, a medication that effectively blocks craving and also blocks the effect of opioids, so they won't work. Um, and it's very difficult for... Um, for uh, prescribers to actually use this drug. It's not, you know, you can't prescribe it like a standard drug. There are a lot of uh, sort of hoops they have to jump through, uh, even psychiatrists. Um, and so I think that, that one thing that would make a huge difference here is, is um, revising some of that policy so that we can get people on the medications, the recovery medications that we know work, um, get them into uh, recovery in the sense of um, abstinence. Uh, so that they can start working on other aspects of their lives. But there's the policy yeah. thing. You know, there are, yeah. there are aspects of policy that need to be changed because there's sort of a stigma to using this drug still. Um, it's incredibly effective, and I think it needs to be made more available. Um, that's all. Great. Thank you for that, Jonathan. And thank you to Dr. Hillary Cunnins, the Director of Behavioral Health Services and Mental Health SF with the San Francisco Department of Public Health. Uh, as well as Kristen Marshall, project manager overseeing drug overdose prevention and education, the DOPE project. Thanks so much to both of you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.